I'm so glad that that was the moment that I just hit record. This is the absurd journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast. All right, welcome back. This is the Bless Up Podcast. I'm Rachel. I'm in studio with James. Corey is, Corey's gone today, and so we are kicking off this new season, which, by the way, is episode 50. Do you guys know this is our 50? Yeah, this is our 50. Yeah. Go Bless Up. It's your birthday. (laughs) It's our 50th episode of Bless Up. And so uh, we have Eddie Herrera joining us today. I think Eddie's been in every season. Indeed. We're blessed. I have. What's up, Eddie? Guys. Eddie, where going on, guys? where are you calling from? I'm calling from Norfolk, Virginia. We have been here since 2019, since making that exodus out of Canton, Ohio. Uh, so it makes me sad in my heart. But uh, I miss you guys, and uh, I appreciate getting to hang out with you guys today. We love you, Eddie. We love you, bro. Love you guys, too. All right, so as we as we kick off this episode, the question that we're going to start with that, that I want to know, but actually this was Eddie's question, to be honest. Eddie gave this one. Um, what random old person habit have you picked up? What is the random habit that you have picked up that you're like, oh man, I'm old. I'll, I'll start. And this, this might be too much information, but, um, Nicole, uh, you know, we've been married 13 years and I'll be going to bed and Nicole will be like, Hey, do you, do you want me to lotion your feet? <laughs> and... <laughs> It's not like that. It's not like that. It's an old person thing. Because honestly, it's not about, it's not the precursor to anything. It's just like, and I'll just be like, yes, please. And it's like, I get lotion on my feet and I'm just like, man, this is the most old person, the coolest thing. Uh, it makes me want to cry a little bit sometimes, actually. I'm going to be honest. I've never seen an old person lotion their feet in my life. I don't know if that's an old person thing as much as that's just an Eddie thing. Okay, fine. It's an Eddie 35-year-old thing. Whatever, man. Um, I, You guys, I have started wearing two pairs of glasses sometimes, like at the same time. Like I don't, I'm not rotating between two. I will have my glasses on and then I will put a second larger pair of glasses on sometimes when I'm sitting at my computer. And the worst is that I forget that I've done it. And so I don't realize I have two pairs of glasses on and then Corey will get home and I'll like look over from my desk and he'll just look at me real weird and start laughing. And I'm like, crap, I'm wearing two pairs of glasses, aren't I? Rachel, text me your address. I'm going to send you word games. Uh, newspaper word game for, for, for the morning time <laughs> so that I could wear my two pairs of glasses and read the words yeah. and do the and do the that's morning it. puzzle that's it <laughs> yeah that's mine oh man I I could go on on this one for a long time uh my nickname given to me by my dear friends one of them is Oav <laughs> old angry and black mm-hmm. um and that's just kind of sometimes my mo uh man where do i start i'm a period piece from like 2006 (laughs) and i act like 2006 was like 50 years ago uh (laughs) i call grown people kids who are just a decade younger than me (laughs) like i'm always like where's the kids at and dan's like there are interns and they're not kids Mm -hmm. 
they're college students. Some of them have graduated. They're not kids, James. Uh, I, it's not that I forget. I just purposefully tell people the same stories over and over and over again. <laughs> I can very easily be pushed into a nostalgic space and stay there for 45 minutes. Uh, I don't really want to try new things. I want to go new places. But when I'm in those places, I want to do the same things. I don't particularly want to try new things. Uh, when me and my wife argue, sometimes mid-argument, I forget what we're arguing about. <laughs> yeah. But I'm still, yeah, the whole old the whole old dude deal. And yeah, that that pretty, that's that's the the top layer, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of OF. Oh, and I'm the Cleveland Browns dad thing. Just like it continues to just grow more day by day. So I'm always upset at the Browns, and I'll always watch the next Sunday. Do you grill or barbecue? This is for either of you. Do you grill or barbecue in sandals with tall socks? So no tall socks, but my feet are ashy. No. My feet are always ashy in those sandals. You need some lotion. Yeah. <laughs> my wife doesn't lotion my feet. Tell me you're not going to maybe ask tonight. Like, um. I might see what's popping. I might, you know, can you just, uh, can you hit the cocoa butter on my feet real quick? She's going to be like, that's not how we do. You're like, no, it's, it's not a thing. Oh my gosh. And I'm going to be like, let me tell you a story about Eddie. <laughs> I, this is a terrible way to start these. Yeah, I really, I was, I was actually just thinking, I'm never at a loss for words for how to transition, but I think this might be the first. This might be the first. I don't, I don't know how to recover from this. But listen, this, okay, all right, I'm just going to give it a shot. So this question that we were asking um, comes from an article that, that has kind of taken the internet by storm. Um, it was written by a pastor who uh, he was resigning from his position and uh, was choosing not to stay in pastoral ministry. And he wrote this article just kind of explaining why he was stepping down. And um, and he it's a really, really well-written article. I'll link it in the description on this on this episode so that you guys can find it and read it for yourselves. But it's written so well. It's not antagonistic. He's not blaming anyone. Um, he's not even really necessarily angry at the church. Would you guys say like he's he's just explaining why being a pastor is so exhausting and why research is showing that pastors are leaving in droves. Um, and for a lot of pastors that I've seen who have read and shared the article. Um, it's very much like a, hey, me too, kind of a feeling when they're reading this. And so it's kind of sparked something for the three of us because we are we are sitting in three very different positions. So James is currently a lead pastor at Citizens Akron. Um, Corey and I planted Third Street Church along an amazing team, um, but I have never been on staff. So I have kind of sat in the pastor's wife uh volunteer of everything uh, position. And Eddie has been, uh, he has held a lead pastor role at a few different places. 
and is no longer in a pastoral position. So sort of an interesting perspective that we're going to get today from the three of us sitting in completely different positions, kind of talking about what does it mean to support your pastor or support your church? And so I'll kind of just open this up right now and just say, like, what is sticking with you guys from the article and what's like kind of one of the points that you want to hit today? Yeah, I mean, I can start here. He notes what Barna calls the great resignation. Mm-hmm. And right, he's saying like it's this idea that pastors are looking to resign and go do something else. Uh, the great resignation roots in this fact that like COVID was really difficult. COVID was really hard. And with the hardness and difficulty of COVID, it just put a magnifying glass on the hardness and difficulty of pastoral ministry or what it means to work in a church in general. Mm -hmm. So with that, COVID in many ways gave folks courage who were clergy or in pastoral positions to say, you know what, new beginning in Marvel language, this is life after the blip and (laughs) life after the blip, I'm going to go do something else or I don't need this or something of that nature. And it made me just think about, yeah, beyond statistics and beyond like what Barna, the Barna stuff he quoted in the article about how at least 42% of pastors said that they weren't happy uh, in their current situation and all the statistics about the folks who were leaving. It just really made me sit back and say, all right, like, let me think about my homies who a lot of which are pastors or were pastors and just being with a friend on Sunday night and him just saying to me, I'll never work in the church again. Yeah. And yeah, just thinking about that and its reality, even in my local context was pretty alarming. Yeah. I saw, I saw the, the write up and he says, you have to be a professional speaker, a CEO, a counselor, a fundraiser, a human resources director, a master of ceremonies, and a pillar of virtue. Yeah. And uh, that really got me. I was like, I understand. I've been there. And and I would just say this, like, like to my brothers who are in, this is who I'm speaking to a little bit today, too. It's like to my brothers and sisters who are in pastoral ministry, like, I desire for you to remain in that role. You know, like, I desire to see our brothers and sisters well supported and uh, you know my call was always to to love extravagantly uh the church and i feel like that is a call that has only strengthened over time and so i might be the worst person to have on a on a this topic today or the best person you know depends on on where you see me stand but my my standing or my my position is hey like what does it look like to to bring people along, the friends, the brothers, sisters, the community along to support our, our leadership well, right? And so that's kind of become uh, my role. I'm, I'm not de-churched. I'm in the church. We've been uh, part of our community for the last few years. And uh, with nothing to prove, just the really desire of just saying, hey, what does it look like to love uh, our pastor, our leaders uh, well, where we've been planted? Yeah, And as I read the article, it makes me reflect on just my experience in my life. And I know it's ironic that Eddie is on this podcast for this discussion with us because 
the day that I really felt that I was supposed to do ministry or I didn't know what it would look like, but the moment I felt like, man, I need to give my life to this was literally this day. And here's my old person coming out. I've probably told this story on the podcast before, but it's okay. So I'm at Malone, I'm 19, and Eddie told me and my pal Max and my pal Lawrence, hey, you're going to walk with me. And we just said, okay, because Eddie told us to do stuff. And we just said, okay, because we knew it was going to be fun. Mm -hmm. Little did we know Eddie was going to ask us to walk from Malone all the way to downtown Canton. And he took us behind like this alley, which I'm not from Canton, so I didn't know that it was the Refuge of Hope. And there's this dude behind there preaching to this group of homeless dudes in this puffy jacket with this bag of cheeseburgers. <laughs> I know the jacket, too. That's... This puffy jacket and this bag of cheeseburgers. And we're just standing there, and the dude is, like, preaching. And then after he preached, he handed out cheeseburgers to everyone. And a light bulb went off to me, and I was like, yo, this is the gospel. He just, like, went hard and talked about Jesus and, like, invited people into community. And then he literally gave them cheeseburgers. And then we went and played basketball. And I asked, I remember, I said, Eddie, what is this? And Eddie says, this is Men's Village. This is my church. And I was like, oh. And I knew at that moment, I was like, man, I either want to, like Eddie, show people what this is. I want to bring people to see this mm-hmm. or I want to get a puffy jacket and pass out cheese. <laughs> maybe both. <laughs> like maybe both. But for me, like that was why that was why I wanted to be a pastor, not to be a fundraiser, not to be a CEO, not to be a master of ceremonies, mm-hmm. not any of that stuff. But mm-hmm. that was what I learned over the last 12 to 13 years, kind of just came with the party and I would guess for many of the folks I would guess for the man that Presbyterian pastor who wrote that article I would guess that he didn't get in it to do any of those other things yeah James uh, or Rachel right there are I I think there are dozens of people that will listen to this podcast and uh, who are in ministry who have thought about it, they teeter-tottered, you know, in ministry, who, who hasn't actually thought through it a little bit and counted the cost, right? Um, what, um, before we jump into the caring part, right, like, what would you say as an encouragement, James, for being faithful ever since those days of Malone and now being in it, you're, um, you're a prominent person in the community, a, a servant to your people, um, what would you say as an encouragement? And Rachel, the same thing. You know, you in the you're writing, you're speaking, you're sharing. Um, you know, your community at Third Street. Like, what would you say to the to the greater community, the people listening? Like, how would you encourage the people that are in ministry currently? You know, I think about uh, the passage a lot, actually, where where Peter looks at Jesus. And it's where all the crowds have left. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, but I think it's right after um, Jesus has said the like, you have to drink my blood and mm-hmm. eat my flesh part. And then, and he looks at the disciples because nobody understood what he was saying. Um, and he says, are you going to leave too? 
And Peter looks back at Jesus and he says, where else would we go? And when I look at my life, um, there's a lot of things that I'm good at. There's a lot of things that I could do. I didn't go to school for ministry. The first degree that I ever got was in broadcasting and journalism. And since I was a little kid, I've known that I love to write and that I love words, and I'm good at them, right? I could get by on talent alone, and I could write and do things. And anybody who thinks that you don't have a talent that you could get by on alone, um, I would challenge you to just really look at your life because if you are alive and you are an adult and you have made it to this far in life, you have some sort of talent that has gotten you this far. Maybe it's grittiness. Maybe it's resilience. Maybe it's your business smarts. Maybe it's the investments that you've made in your life. Everybody's got something. Because if you have breath in your lungs and you are alive, then you have a purpose and you have a talent. You have something that you're good at that's gotten you this far right? So I could get by on that. But there's so many things in my life that I have seen in the last, how many years? 14 years of ministry that even even in my weakest moments where I've looked at Corey and I've been like, we're going off the grid. Like I'm going to live in the mountains where nobody can find me because this drama is too much, because these people's problems are too much. The things that people are throwing at us are too much. The 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 gossip and the slander is too much. When too much is weighing on you, because that's what happens when you lead a church. Everybody gives you the worst of themselves, and then they take the best of themselves to celebrate with their friends, right? That's what happens to pastors. Um even in my weakest moments, and when I've said that, I, like Corey's looked back at me and he'd say, you'd be bored in two weeks. And he's right. Because once you have seen and identified the movement of God in your life, and once you've seen the scriptures come to life, I just can't help but think, where else would I go? Like everything else in the world pales in comparison to what God can do. And when you have seen the Spirit move in your life. And when you've seen the spirit move in the lives of others, it makes like the deepest, darkest valleys worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Positively. And just to jump on that and echo that, like, yeah, for me, it's quite simple at this point. Um, My encouragement would be, I think there is a big difference between ketchup and tomatoes. (laughs) <laughs> there I've, sure is I've grown tomatoes now And I've eaten A fried green tomato So good And I don't even like raw tomatoes But I've eaten a fried green tomato And it is delicious mm-hmm. and I've taken tomatoes that I've grown And made sauce And it is just delicious With a little basil that we grew in the garden as well Just straight fire Right There's a big difference between tomatoes And ketchup And in some church environments, what they're asking you to do is make ketchup. What they're saying is, hey, God desires of us tomatoes, but I want you to make this genetically modified version of the tomato. So I want you to take it. I want you to add all this other stuff to it. And I want you to make it palatable and package it and make it for the masses. And my piece of encouragement would be you can find real tomatoes. You can grow them. And they still taste really good. Yep. And God wants people to have tomatoes. And I've just found joy in 
such great joy and yeah the freedom of i'm just not gonna make ketchup anymore and for some like the encouragement is like maybe that means you like actually like leaving uh the heinz ketchup factory (laughs) and going to grow tomatoes which is a much slower and far more intentional process that gives its fruit in its season but I found great joy in saying, hey, what it means for me to be a pastor and do ministry is to uh, be a gardener instead of running the factory. So my encouragement would be there are, it is real. There are tomatoes. And yeah, go garden. That's a great analogy. My father is a gardener. Bro. I want to go grow some tomatoes. I will never stop growing tomatoes. We can't stop, bro. We can't stop growing tomatoes. And no matter what your title is called, like you can grow tomatoes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I would just say, um, your Abba sees you. He loves you. I'm mm-hmm. proud of you. Um, no matter where there's failure or success or not enoughness. Um, whether it's internal or on the sheet of paper, um, your Abba loves you. And Jesus' grace is enough, right? That he came to be big brother Jesus who loves you, who makes uh, an extension, a, a bridge, right? It's the gospel for us. And that the Holy Spirit, like he is so, so um, faithful to give brilliant thought, to give, reveal a new thought, to reveal a new emotion. Uh, I've been playing around with that a little bit. It's how the, the Lord gives us a new thought, but sometimes the Holy Spirit, as, as, as pastors, as leaders, as, as lay leaders, He gives us new feelings. Like mm-hmm. He gives us a new emotion, and uh, um, there's there's nothing better. And so I just want to encourage you. Those tomatoes are the coming back to the reality of the gospel and yeah. sharing that in discipleship and evangelism. You know. So. You know, I know on last season. Uh, on last season, I talked about Elijah a lot. Um, and that's because the life of Elijah is amazing. Um, but one of the things that I have felt so encouraged by in reading the Old Testament and kind of like living there for the last year, and then uh, that I thought of when reading this article, is that we all experience these seasons of exhaustion and these seasons of the wilderness Um, as it sometimes is referred to in Scripture. And, you know, constantly throughout the Bible, we see leaders. um, We see leaders who found themselves feeling isolated, who found themselves alone, who found themselves exhausted by other people. You know, sometimes I've been asked before, like, what's the hardest part of ministry? And I'm like, man, other people. Other people are the hardest part of ministry. Um, And it's because we all bring our own brand of messy. We all bring our own brand of our own brand of messy. There's something, there's something that somebody is going through at every point in time, whether it's you or somebody on your staff team or, or one of your volunteers or just somebody in your church. But if you stick around, if you stick around long enough, the wilderness ends at some point. How we've been we've been doing a lot of hiking lately, and one of my favorite things to see on any hike is when you're on a trail 
and there's like trees on every side of you, but the sun is out and it peeks through the trees. Oh my gosh, it's like one of my favorite views. And every time that I see it, I stop and I tell the kids to look up. Hmm. I'm like, guys, look up. And then when they look up, you like see the sun coming through the trees. I have like the coolest picture in the world where Jamie is so tiny. Jamie's our third little girl and she's only three years old. And um, hiking with her is amazing because every time she sees the sun or every time she sees water, she's like, mommy, there's water. And she runs or she's like, mommy, there's the sun. And she like tells you to look up. And man, like if that's not a picture of what we need to do, because when you're sitting in messy seasons and when you're sitting in crap and it's so easy to become overwhelmed by the trees all around you. And it's so easy to look down and be like, oh, there's these huge spider webs to my left or to my right. Or like, oh, look at this mud. Or, oh, how am I going to get around this puddle? Well, I don't know, but look up. Because when you look up, even in the thickest covering of trees, the sun comes through. And you cannot convince me there is anything more beautiful to see than when the sun just like bust through those trees, like the the mm-hmm. light and the rays. It's so beautiful. And that's just such a picture. Like, man, stick it out through the messiness. Stick it out through whatever chaos is surrounding you and just look up. And let me be super clear and say that, like, I'm not saying that this dude uh, who wrote this article, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have stepped down. Because actually what's really cool when you read his article is that he doesn't say anything about leaving God. He doesn't say anything about walking away from his faith. He just says that he's no longer going to be a pastor. And so what I'm super curious about is like, what's his next season going to look like? And that's what I would ask you if you're listening and you feel like you're sitting in this messiness, like through your church, through your faith, whatever, dive into the scripture and like, look at what happened when Elijah was like, God, please just let me be done. Like, look at what happened when Joshua and Caleb were were struggling, when they were getting ready to break through the promised land. And Caleb was like, nah, man, I I know I've been through some crap. I know that I've wandered through the desert, but I know that I know that God promised me this land. And Caleb's like, I'm old as crap, but I'm going to fight because I know what God promised me. Like, I would just encourage you to have that kind of faith and to push through and to look up. Absolutely. And this is all difficult, right? And it's so difficult because of the cultural space that we sit in and the cultural moment that we sit in. I don't believe it's a new moment. I believe that it's been happening forever. But, yeah, with social media Mm -hmm. and with podcasts and all this stuff, what we get now is the moral failures of our leaders, which I believe have always been happening, Mm -hmm. right? If there was podcasts and social media during the time of David, it would have been the rise and fall of King David. Mm -hmm. And so the rise and fall of Mars Hill. But quite literally, right now, man, what we see in the media is our leaders and their moral failures, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, the Ravi Zechariah situation, and anyone could probably start listing more local situations that they've been a part of and that they've been affected by. This, with a myriad of other things, has caused the revolution right now of Christian deconstruction, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about multiple times in multiple ways on this show. And we've challenged both deconstruction and reconstruction. Mm -hmm. But Eddie, a question Mm -hmm. that I have for you is, 
we've talked a whole ton about deconstruction, which affects everyone. But more often than not, the people who are walking with people through deconstruction are church leaders or are clergy people or are pastors, right? So my question would be, what is the converse, right? As we've got the great resignation, and as Barn is saying, we've got like 42% of pastors saying, I don't know if this is for me anymore, or who are considering or wavering. And if pastors are honest, it's probably a lot higher than 42%. Yeah. What would you say are ways that folks in congregations and folks in community can then support and then create space or then walk with their leaders through these ideas of the great resignation? Yeah. Pastors are experiencing the great resignation and and on our end, the converse wouldn't be pastors staying on our end. What we can do is it would be us as people who attend, who are part of the church. We can have a long obedience in the same direction. Us. Like we can have a great stayability. You know, Uh, I, I've been in, we've been in our church here for the last few years now, and um, I can tell you that it's been difficult, right? That that I do I can give you a checkoff list specifically of like this is something I don't like, this is something I've experienced better in other churches, this is something I've done better myself, and all of that sounds super prideful if I'm living in that all the time. Or um, you know, one of the things we were talking about prior to starting our hit and record was like, hey, why do people leave church? Right. And most of the time, it's some kind of moral outrage, right? It's a Christian having some kind of moral high ground on their pastor or their church. And Gregory Boyle, you know, Homeboy Industries out of, out of LA says, you know, moral outrage doesn't lead us to solutions. It keeps us from them. It mm-hmm. keeps us from moving forward toward a fuller, more compassionate response to members of our community who belong to us, no matter what they've done. It, no matter what they've done, the, the, the person who is coming off the street, no matter what they've done, the person that is the pastor, no matter what they've done, we belong to one another, right? I just wanted to start with that. Like Mother Teresa says, if we have no peace, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to one another. That's such a good you know, point. and so there's yeah. this reality, right, of it, like, I belong to my pastor, he, she, and, and, and they belong to me, I belong to them. Like, we are a family. We are a community. And so... What do we do in community if not? And we do such a good job of doing this for the people in our small group. You know, we'll, we'll words of affirmation. We'll keep our opinion to ourselves, and we'll see things play out. We'll we'll stay through a hard season with them. We'll pray for them. We'll support them. Why don't we do that with our pastors? Right? Yeah. Why don't Why don't we do that with our leaders and say, "Hey, I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to." Ask for clarification. I'm going to wait. I'm going to. I'm going to ask. I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to pray first. Right. Mm-hmm. Take a beat. Right. Uh, a couple more things. It's just like I'm going to be. I'm going to serve. I'm going to be willing to have that long obedience in the same direction without praise, working out my sanctification process on my own. Right. That that a lot of the stuff that sometimes I have against my leaders aren't even their problem. They're my problem. There's yeah. stuff that the Lord was trying to deal in my own heart, and so. There's a stability that I, well, I just wanted to speak to that, that we can choose to turn our five love languages. We can choose to turn our love, our care, our devotion um, in the direction of our pastors. And uh, I, I would say there's a thing here where, where I think some of us feel like we have not, don't have the capacity or the ability or the degree to do that. But man, a hug goes a long way. A word of affirmation, a word of support. Um, you don't need a degree to do any of those things, you know, like 
love and kindness is, is goes, it just goes a long way. You know, as you're saying that, um, you're right. You, you don't need a degree to be kind. Um, you don't need a degree to be loving, but what you do need is the Holy Spirit. Because like those those things that you're naming, like that's the fruit of the spirit. So the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Um, and if that's the fruit of the spirit, then the honest truth is that like without the spirit, we are not naturally those things. And so we've got to have we have to learn to live in a dependency on God. Because the thing about God is that God doesn't bail. You know, like God doesn't quit halfway through. That's not who he is. Um, And so, like, I I absolutely agree with you. Like, you don't need a degree to do those things. Uh, But on your worst day, you definitely need Jesus to do those things. Yeah. And I don't want anyone listening to hear this and to hear us saying that, like, you shouldn't challenge your leadership or that you shouldn't protect people. Or that if you see like unsinful action happening, that you could that you shouldn't go through the proper channels. But I'm reminded of a situation that I was in, quite literally, like with staff at a previous church that I worked at, and literally, what's done in the darkness comes out in the light. Yeah, that's not just the scriptures. That's it's, it's true. The scriptures are true. And I've seen it happen in real life. So I just want to encourage for people who are in a situation where you feel like, yeah, I'm under abusive leadership or something is happening in the context of my church or my Christian community. I want to encourage you that what's done in the darkness is going to come out in the light. The Holy Spirit will expose those things. And, yeah, I encourage you to go through the proper channels in your community using Matthew 18 to challenge folks properly and correctly, but yeah, just want to make that insertion. So Eddie, um, as we're wrapping this up, I'd love for you to give, to give our people listening some really tangible advice, um, kind of in the direction of that mother Teresa quote that you shared. What, what was the exact wording of that quote? She said, if we have no peace, it is because we have forgot, forgotten that we belong to one another. Yes. Or to each other. That is so good. That is so good. So, Eddie, what would you say? Um, what would you say is one of the best practices that we could begin implementing to remember that we belong to our neighbors, that we belong to one another, to be to be consistently working towards peace? What advice would you give? You know, I actually asked somebody um, this question recently, and I was asking them about their spouse, who's a pastor, a leader, and you know what she said to me? She said, "You know what? Just ask him." And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I mean, I think we're, we're, we're wondering here. And I, I don't want anybody to have to guess, like go to your pastor and ask him or her, Hey, how can I support you in this season? Right? Like, like have them tell you everybody's so different. We're starting now with how people are geared and, and everybody's very individually different. So, so go up to that, to that leader, to your, you know, and just ask them, like, how can I support you in this season? How can I be for you in this time? What can I be praying for you? Right. And there's three questions right there that would allow you to open up a little door and say, Hey, I'm here for you. I'm for you. I want to fight for your highest good. So, so help me help you. 
And I would say start there. And I assure you um, the the things that can come from that conversation, the ways that whether you <laughs> pastor's a feeler or a thinker, you'll get different responses. But yeah. what comes from that can be so good because when you have somebody whose intent is for you, uh, that's always good news, right? Jesus is for us. That's good news to us. We want to be for our pastors. It's going to be good news to them. I love that. That's so simple. <laughs> that's so simple. All right. Well, y'all, it is so good to be back together. Uh, it's so good to be back in this space. And Eddie, thank you for uh, thank you for being here for episode 50. Betty. As well as kicking off this new season with us. It's always fun to have you on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Love y'all. All right. We'll see y'all in two weeks. Bless up. Bless up.